Hey everyone, if you don't know me, my name is One Mokatle. I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors at Rooted Fellowship. We uh, kicked off a new series uh, last week and we titled it Zoom In. And here's why. We, we want to zoom in on a particular piece of scripture so that we might truly understand what it is that God is saying through his word so that we might apply it and do so in a way that brings him glory because as he is glorified that is how we find our ultimate joy now now we said last week that for all those who are called are also sent Uh, it was clear and if you missed out on that message i'd encourage you to go back and listen to it or listen and watch we saw clearly that just as jesus was sent so are we And so over these next couple of weeks, what we want to do is just slow things down, zoom in, and see what it is that God is calling us to do. What that might look like in our particular context, in the times that we are now living in. Because God has given us the greatest mission ever. It's a mission that he is already on, and yet by grace has invited us to be a part of it. And so our call is to be obedient, to be obedient to the Great Commission. Because we want to see more and more people come to the knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, uh, we said last week that our launching text is going to be Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. That's the text that we're always going to start at. And it's going to kind of help us uh, look a little bit deeper to what it is that God is saying. So let me read the text And then I'll pray for us, and then we'll chat about where we're going to be today. And so Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is on Jesus, on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me, important phrase, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray. Father, would you open up our ears so that we might hear you ever so clearly? Would you open up our eyes so that we might see the beautiful wonders of who you are? Would you open up our minds so that we might comprehend what it is that you have for us? And then would you open up our hearts so that we might fully trust in you? We ask all of this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Now, the phrase that I want us to focus on today is that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That's it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. We have a lot to get through, so hang on. We must ask the question, if we're going to venture into this verse, who or what is the Spirit of the Lord? If we're being good students of God's Word, we must ask and answer, who or what is the Spirit of the Lord? Now, up front, I want to go ahead and tell you it's not a what, it's a who. And He is the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this uh, might come across as too simple of an answer, so let me explain. You see, God is profound in his existence. The spirit of the Lord is God's spirit. This is to say that the spirit of God is God's spirit. 
The spirit of Jesus is God's spirit. He is the spirit of holiness, the spirit of truth, commonly known as the Holy Spirit. See, friends, God is a spirit. Yet, his Holy Spirit is a separate member of the Trinity, just like Jesus is God and also a separate member of the Trinity. God is three in one. It's one of those beautiful mysteries of the Christian faith, trying to get our heads around how is he three in one. Like I said, God is profound in his existence. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are, are equal in value, equal in glory, and yet distinct in function. At Rooted Fellowship, we have a statement of faith. If you've never read it, I'd encourage you to go over to our website and click uh, the link that says, what do we believe? And, and you will find our statement of faith. And in there, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Here's how we define it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity that executes the will of God in this world through humanity by leading, guiding, filling, teaching, and convicting. The Holy Spirit is not merely an impersonal force, but is a person displaying the qualities of personhood, like intellect and emotions and will. He, this is the Holy Spirit, equips believers upon conversion by giving them the gifts to be used for the building up of the church and by bearing fruit through their yielded lives. It may not be a complete definition, but it's the definition that we go by seeking to be faithful to the scriptures. The Spirit of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is God? You know, I mentioned the Trinity I mentioned equal in value and equal in glory and in essence, yet distinct in function. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is God? How do we know that he truly is part of the Trinity, that he's the same as God the Father and Jesus Christ? Well, because each of the four divine attributes assigned to God the Father are also attributed to the Holy Spirit. So what are the divine attributes? What are those divine attributes that are given to God and given to Jesus and, um, to make my arguments true and clear are also given to the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, let me give them to you. It's four. I'll be quick. Uh, the first one is the attribute of the fact that the Holy Spirit is in a state of eternal existence. The Holy Spirit is in a, a state of eternal existence, much like God the Father and God the Son. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 speaks of this. The second attribute is the fact that the Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. He is everywhere at once. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Uh, number three is that the Holy Spirit has infinite wisdom. The Holy Spirit has infinite wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 speaks of this, verses 10 to 11, or John chapter 14, verse 26, or John 16, verses 12 to 14. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit possesses unlimited power. Unlimited power. Luke 1, 35. And so these attributes that are, are divine, and we see them in God the Father, we see them in the Holy Spirit as well. Affirming him as part of the Trinity, the Spirit 
of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, was on Jesus and had anointed him. He had anointed him. We briefly mentioned this last week, that the word anointed is a loaded word. Uh, Simply put, the word anointed means to be set apart, consecrated for an office or service, to be chosen. And that all of this, to be anointed, comes with blessing, protection, and empowerment. Let me give those to you real quick again. It's blessing, protection, and empowerment. Jesus is telling us that he has been set apart, that he has been consecrated for a particular purpose, that he has been chosen. And that, and that all of this, all of this comes with blessing, protection, and power. And all of this because the Spirit is on Jesus. Uh, let, let me show you. Let me show you. Blessing. Uh, the Spirit is vital and present at the baptism of Jesus. If we look at Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22, it says this, When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The NLT uh, says it this way, a different translation. It says it this way, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. What a blessing. What a blessing to be the beloved son of God and to bring the father great joy. What a blessing. Because the Holy Spirit being on Jesus affirms this blessing. Being anointed also brings protection. See, Jesus was led out into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tested and tried by Satan and did not sin. It's important that we know that. He did not sin, but he was led out into the desert by the Holy Spirit. He was protected by the Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, he, uh, to be tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And it leads into two other temptations uh, that the devil brought Jesus' way. But, But I want us to notice something here. Notice what is being questioned. The devil is questioning Jesus' blessing. That he is the beloved son of God. And so the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, he's questioning that, questioning the blessing. But we all know, for those who are in Christ, for those who look to Jesus as Lord and Savior, we know that once a child of God, always a child of God. That if you've crossed the line of faith, the Father will never leave you nor forsake you. That you are his. And so the devil cannot destroy you, but he will do everything in his power to distract you. He will do everything in his power to distract you. And that's what's happening here. He's, the devil is trying to distract Jesus from the mission that he is on. And so to be anointed by the Holy Spirit brings blessing, brings protection, and then lastly brings empowerment. Empowerment. 
The Holy Spirit was the motivating power in the initiation of the Galilean ministry. Luke chapter 4 verses 14 to 15. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues being praised by everyone. This is amazing. This is amazing, right? And, and so it should lead us to ask the question, if you were following with where we are going in this series, as we zoom in, it should lead us to ask the question, what about us? One of you said that we are sent just as Jesus is sent. And so the Spirit of the Lord is on Jesus and has anointed him. And this anointing comes with blessing and protection and power. And so what about us? Is this true for us as believers of Jesus Christ? Can we expect blessing, protection, and power as the church? This is a fair question. It's a great question. Considering that last week we did say, and I'll say it again, and I'm going to keep coming back to it, that Jesus was sent and so are we. And so it's a fair question to ask. In fact, it should lead us to go, we know this to be true, and so where is our blessing? Where is our protection? Where is our power? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our blessing can be found in Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul writes in verse 3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, watch this, blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ. That in Christ, we are blessed. That is where we find our blessing. Now, before we get carried away, like many of us do, and I've seen many churches do, before we get carried away and make up our blessings, like, like go, well, great, we've been blessed. We've got every spiritual blessing. I mean, that's what Paul writes here. He says, every spiritual blessing in the heavens, every, he uses the word every. Now we can get carried away and go, well, this is an opportunity for me to insert what it is that I actually want. That is why we see much of the craziness that we see in the churches today. And so before we get carried away, I want us to notice that Paul immediately lists out these blessings. It's almost like he knew. He knew that there were going to be some of us going, what, every spiritual blessing? This is incredible. Man, I wonder if I can. Paul goes, no, hold on. Let me tell you what these blessings are. Blessing number one is we are chosen. Go look in Ephesians chapter one. It's clear. We are chosen. In fact, we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, friends, that should blow your mind. That, that, that God thought of you before he even created the world. We are chosen. Those who are in Christ, you should know that you are chosen. What a blessing. Uh, blessing number two, you are redeemed. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Blessing number three, we are included. To be included in the plan of God. This again affirms the fact that as Jesus was sent, so are we. We are included in this plan that God is unfolding. We have an inheritance. That's blessing number four. We have an inheritance, and this inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading, and it's kept for us in heaven. What a joy. What a blessing. And then the last one, my favorite, is that we are sealed. 
So we are chosen, we are redeemed, we are included, we have an inheritance, and then lastly, we are sealed. I love this one. Let me just read it. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14 says this. In him, this is in Jesus, in him you also were sealed with the promised, hear this, Holy Spirit. There he is again. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possessions to the praise of His glory. I mean, all these blessings in us and were sealed by the Holy Spirit. This makes me think of a slow cooker. I imagine myself as a slow cooker and all these blessings that Paul speaks about are, are, are all the delicious ingredients that are put into the slow cooker uh, that grow us, that remind us, that transform us. And then we're sealed by the Holy Spirit to keep in all that good, godly kingdom flavor. What a blessing, friends. What a blessing. So if you're looking for that blessing, it's found in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. But not only are we blessed, because the Spirit of the Lord is on us and that He has anointed us, much like He has with Jesus, we also find protection. Our protection can be found in the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 26, where he refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper, or as uh, some translations say, the advocate. He's there to help us. He's there to advocate for us. The helper will guide us into all the truths, convicting us of sin, of righteousness and judgment. John 16, verse 8 to 15. You see, because of the Holy Spirit, we get to see the true nature of our sinful hearts. We actually get to see what dwells in our earthly flesh. That through the Spirit, we see the light, which is God's Word. And that protects us. It keeps us from going our own ways. Friends, let me tell you, let me be honest. Left to my own, left to my own, I would always choose myself. Always, every single time, I would choose myself. And so the Holy Spirit comes to protect me from, from doing these things that don't please the Lord, that don't glorify Him, and actually hurt me and those around me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, protection. There it is. But then lastly, we find our power in the Holy Spirit. Our power is in the Holy Spirit. And here I want to talk about the power that propels us for mission as the church. We receive the power from the Spirit for many things. And I could literally spend days, if not weeks, unpacking what we receive from the Holy Spirit, how He empowers us. And so while there's so many ways that the Spirit gives us power, Somehow we forget or maybe we neglect the power we have received to be sent on mission. Like, like we, we see all the other things. We'll talk about healing. We'll talk about prophecy. We'll talk about miracles. Very seldom do we talk about the power we've received to be sent on mission. And so let me, let me show you how Jesus makes this plain. 
Let me set the context. We're going to find ourselves in the book of Acts, but let me set some context. Jesus is sitting with his disciples after the resurrection, but before the ascension, before he goes to be with the Father again and sit at his right hand. He's sitting with his disciples, sharing a meal with them. Acts chapter 1, read with me from the middle of verse 3. And he talks to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. So he says, hang back. Just hang back. Just wait, wait for the gift that's coming from our Father. He goes on to say that John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, when did Jesus talk to them about the coming of the Holy Spirit? In the text that we've just read, we see that he's like, well, listen, I told you before, right? So hang back. Remember, he's reminding them. But, but I told you this before. Where, where, where? Jesus, where did you talk about the Holy Spirit coming to uh, unleash this power through the church so that we might be sent on mission? Jump with me to John 16. I wish I had time to unpack this entire chapter because it's, it's so incredible. It's so amazing. But let me, let me jump uh, to verse 7. Jesus, speaking of his death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, he says this to his disciples. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because I, if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, I'm hoping, if you were a little bit like me, right, in reading this, I got to the first part and then just kind of blacked out for a moment. I was like, wait, Jesus, what did you say to them? I'm telling you the truth, as if Jesus needs to say that because Jesus never lies. So he's bringing attention here. He says, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. The English Standard Version translation says it this way. It is to your advantage that I go away. This, this must have sounded crazy to the disciples. Like, what do you mean it's to our advantage that you go away? Imagine Jesus being with you every single day, sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching, watching him preach. I mean, I know you guys probably have some amazing preachers that you have on your podcast that you regularly go to, but nowhere close to Jesus as he unpacks the Old Testament and he makes it plain. Like a session with Jesus would have just felt like you sitting there going, oh, wow, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like that, that's what they experienced, watching miracle after miracle after miracle. And then Jesus says to them, actually, guys, I know this is epic and this is incredible and I know me being here protects you guys and you're receiving so much, but it actually would be to your benefit that I go away. It would be to your advantage. Why? Why? Why would Jesus say this? Well, earlier that evening, uh, Jesus had told his disciples that although he was going away to prepare a place for them, uh, John 14 verses 2 to 3, 2 and 3, he says to them that he would not leave them as orphans. So, so he's going somewhere to prepare a place, but he's not going to leave them like orphans. But he was going to come to them again. What? How? He says, but rather than just be with them, which is all that they had known up to that point, right? Jesus with us, Jesus was going to give each 
disciple, including us. So not just them that he's speaking to, but he's talking to us as well. For all of us who've crossed the line of faith, we are his disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus. You cannot separate the two. And so he says he's going to give to each disciple a deeper, more intimate experience of the Father and the Son. How? What would be more deeper and intimate than Jesus being with us? He says this, I'm going to do this by making you my home. That the Spirit will come and dwell in you and you will become my home. So, so not just Jesus beside me, but he's saying Jesus in me. That it would be to our advantage for Jesus to go because it moves from Jesus being with me and because he was fully man, yes, fully God, but fully man, it means that he could only be at one place at one time here on earth. But as he goes to prepare a place for us and as he sends the Holy Spirit, now the Spirit lives in every disciple. It's not just Jesus beside me, but it's Jesus in me, being present everywhere with everyone. How amazing is that? How incredible is that? That Jesus is going, I know this is epic and I know this is incredible. I'm here. uh, I'm on mission. I also want to show you what mission looks like. But now I have to go. Why? So that the one that I'm sending to you can be in each and every single one of you. In every location at every time. Now, why is all of this important? What Jesus is saying here, that that he doesn't just want to be beside us, but he wants to be in us, that he's sending the Holy Spirit. Why is all of this important? Well, we're going to need this. We're going to need Jesus in us uh, through the Holy Spirit if we're going to be faithful to what he then says to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If we want to be faithful. If we want to attempt this mission that God has given us, then we need Jesus to go and prepare a place for us. We need him to send the Holy Spirit to live in us so that we might be faithful to the Great Commission. See, when Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1, let me read from verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Again, here, just a limited understanding of the mission of God. Right, they're just thinking, oh, okay, man, only Israel, but God had a bigger plan. God is forming a family for himself from all people, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Acts chapter 1, verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses Telling people about me everywhere, everywhere. Where is everywhere? Well, he goes on to explain. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit will come and he will dwell in you. And you will receive power so that you might be my witnesses. So that you might go and be on mission everywhere. Friends, the Holy Spirit in the life of a person, anoints them with blessing, protection, and power for all godliness, including to be on mission for the kingdom of God. Let me me read that to you again. I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit 
in the life of a person. Now, that means that if you are a Christian, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, then you have received the Holy Spirit. That there's no additional things you need to do. That upon receiving Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit in the life of a person anoints them with blessing, protection, and power for all godliness, including to be on mission for the kingdom of God. We need to know this, friends. We need to know this if we're going to believe that those who are called are also sent. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Nothing. So we need to believe this. And I, and I really mean it. We really need to believe this. That the Holy Spirit in the life of an, in, in the life of an ordinary person can do some extraordinary things in the furthering of God's kingdom. That God takes ordinary people fills them with the Holy Spirit because they've surrendered their lives to Jesus and then sends them out to do some extraordinary things. Now I want to unpack just some of these incredible things. But we don't have time, and so I'll leave that to next week. But friends, this week, I want you to ponder on this for a moment. I want you to ask yourself this question. If you are a Christian, do you believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. That is not just about acknowledging the person of the Holy Spirit, but it's acknowledging that which He brings into your life, that which transforms you, that renews you, that molds you and shapes you, that gives you power to go. That we go in boldness and courage. We go in strength. We go in truth. And none of it is our own. It's the Holy Spirit moving us. And so I want us to take this week, because next week we're going to unpack, we're going to really look at how the Holy Spirit moves from place to place, region to region, how the Holy Spirit breaks down barriers that we as humans have put up. But before we do that, I think we really need to sit back for a moment. As a church, we need to zoom in here and ask the question, are we being led by the Holy Spirit? Are we trusting in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit or are we trusting in ourselves? Are we trusting in our strategies? Are we trusting in our plans, in our competencies, in our abilities, in our gifts? Now while all those things are great things and have been given to us by the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can activate those things. And so we just need to, to sit before Him and say, would you do a work that only you can do? Would you remind us? Would you renew us? Would you cause us to, to put aside those things that we hold on to, that we put our trust in, hoping that that is what will get us to fulfill the mission? And would we rather just come to you, open hands, Holy Spirit, take a hold of our hearts and do a work that only you can do that is so extraordinary that we will only be left to, to point to you and say, look, Look what he does. He takes ordinary men and women filled with the Spirit to do these things. What would that look like in your life? If you not only acknowledged the person of the Holy Spirit, but you acknowledged his power as well in your life, what would your marriage look like? like what, 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 what would singleness look like as you, as, as you recognize this gift? And it is a gift. It is a gift the Holy Spirit gives. I know some of you are sitting there going, mm, no, I don't think so. It's a gift. Go read it. What would it look like to live in the fullness of that because you're being powered by the Holy Spirit? 
What would your work life look like? What would your relationships look like? How would you talk to your neighbor? How would you trust in God when things don't go the way that you want them to go? As you lean into the Holy Spirit and go, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I, I need you to, to bring that, 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 that understanding that surpasses everything, that just goes, wait, what? How are you able to live? It's because I'm being powered by the Holy Spirit. I'm acknowledging the blessing that comes from being anointed by Him, the protection that He has over my life, and the fact that He gives me the power to get up today. And look to the heavens and be thankful that Jesus died for me. Friends, if we don't anchor ourselves in that, then we need to take a step back and look at what the text is saying before we decide, let's go somewhere, because it won't take too long before we stumble. And if we're not anchored in this, then we will fall. And so next week, let's unpack how the gospel moves. But until that time, let's be reminded of how the Holy Spirit works in your personal life. Let's pray. And so, Father God, thank you. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to come and live the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserved, but, but in doing that, took on the punishment that was meant for us. That on the cross there was this exchange that occurred that we received righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, in exchange for our unrighteousness. The story doesn't end there. Jesus died, but he rose from the tomb. That even now, as I pray, I know that he is seated at your right hand. But the beautiful thing is that he does not leave us. Jesus, you sent the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, would you stir in us, first and foremost, a passion for your name? And as that happens, we will begin to see what it is that you have called us to, that how you are working in our lives, and that we might be able to see how you power us, you give us what we need to be on mission. Help us to reflect, help us to be honest. And then where we need to cry out to you, Lord, I pray that our hearts would do that. We love you, Lord. We so desperately need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.